last week I talked about the verse, blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm going to make a couple things I didn't say last week. I'm going to say this week about blessed are the poor in spirit. But the most of the message tonight, today, this morning, is about blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. So let me read this, the whole, the whole thing. There's, there's actually, uh, the word beatitude means blessing. There's, there's nine blessed blessings. There's nine blessings. There's actually seven of those, however, are the core, and the other two are the reactions to having these seven blessings in your life. These are the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gave this as God manifest in the flesh, but these are the actual attributes that Jesus Christ had himself. He was speaking of himself. He was the only one that ever could speak of himself like this, having fulfilled the law. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They should be filled. Now, this morning, you're here. You had to get up, get dressed, get ready, endure whatever you had to endure, brush your teeth, <laughs> do your hair, drive here. Some of you from quite distance away. Hopefully, it was because you hungered and thirsted for God, for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when all men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you. Why? Said against you falsely, and that's important for my sake. Then the verse 12, the capstone, rejoice and be how glad? What is exceedingly glad? We had a football team when our school, where our school, we had a we had kind of a bubble of, of boys go through our school. They all grew up together. They all went to our school together. They got they were good in basketball. They they won the basketball championship. They played flag football. They won the flag football championship uh, in their in their division. And I remember Brother Moon coached them. And you know we'd never had and we when we first started our sports, we got beat by everybody all the time. We basically were there for them to beat us because we just we were a fledgling team. The same group started playing in fifth and sixth grade and got beat and got beat in seventh grade, got beat in eighth grade, got beat in ninth grade, got beat in tenth grade. And all of a sudden, eleventh, twelfth grade, we started winning everything. We won them all. We had a we had a season without a loss. Went to the playoffs and won. And I got a video. I should have shown it or just get the effect of it. But I got a video of Brother Moon after they. You know, it was real close, or it was just one touchdown behind, or one touchdown ahead, and, it, and a guy threw a pass, and it didn't make it, and we won. And Moon did a three-circle, three-circle 
He did, it was it was a it was it's a moon exceeding glad dance. It was unplanned, unthought about, and he probably wishes it wasn't tape. But he was exceeding. I never saw a moon that glad. Exceeding glad. It was a after a long time of suffering, a long time of coaching, a long time of getting defeated, finally the victory came. That's you. Blessed are, he said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Now, do you think Jesus knows the definition of the word great? Do you think his definition of great and your definition of great are the same? No. I just believe it. He says it's going to be great. So for so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. When you get when you give somebody a tract, gospel tract, so they can be saved, and they say, "I don't want that thing. I, I never. I don't like your religious people." And they go off on you, and they, you know, say whatever they say about you. Throw the thing on the ground. Be exceeding glad. I was door to door a while back. My wife and I door to door, and this old boy came out. I left the gospel. I go up to the door and knock, leave a door hanger, then I leave a little gospel track in their car on the way out. I figure if they miss a door hanger, maybe they get to. It's about their soul. And so he came out. I was. I went down the road, came back to the other side of the street. When I got across from him, he came out, and boy, he was mad. And he, he stuck that thing in my, his, he had this round up his, this little Jesus loves you in his, in his hand. He put it, stuck it in right about three, two, three inches from my nose. And he said, did you the one that did this? I said, yes, I am. And he went off on me. I went home and told Kelly, man, he just made my house bigger. I don't try to get persecuted, and I don't want to get persecuted, and I'm not asking to get persecuted, but if you in the, in the, in the avenue of righteousness, in the walk of righteousness, if people persecute you, don't you shed too many tears for standing for truth. These seven character traits, I call them, of the kingdom of heaven, it's what heaven's going to be like. All the people in heaven are going to have these character traits. Isn't it going to be nice to be around people with these character traits? Predominant character traits without the evil part. That's what it is. There are really seven character traits I mentioned. The rest are really because you demonstrate those character traits here on earth. You're persecuted for them. These things, these blessed seven things are speak of an inward part of the soul of man. And the rewards of having these are great. I'm going to just, let me summarize the rewards in, in, in kind of a way that's not done in the Bible there, and I'm just going to try to help you. I took the ending of all those seven. It says, we're going to, they that have these character traits, we're going to receive the kingdom of heaven as theirs. They shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be filled. They shall obtain mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called the children of God. That's big. 
I'll take any one of them. But you won't do that on this earth and among these people without being persecuted. If the first time you go door to door and somebody offends you and you never go back, shame on you. You need to get with these beatitudes and start memorizing them or putting them in your mind and washing your mind with the water of the word so that you understand that you're not going to stand for Jesus in the kingdom of heaven without some resistance, without some pushback. Don't let that discourage you. Kick your heels together and shout for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they, the prophets or the people that were before you that asked, talked about Jesus, talked about God. Let me take, make a couple comments in addition to last week about blessed are they the poor in spirit. The world praises and adores the rich, don't they? I mean, the ultimate goal of people in this world is to have things and money and power. Money represents power. But the word poor, I looked it up. The word blessed are the poor in spirit. The word poor means oppressed, afflicted, and miserable. How can you be blessed if you're oppressed, afflicted, and miserable? Because the Bible looks at it differently than we look at it. James chapter 2, verse 5 says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God, which he hath promised to them that love him? Paul, describing himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, says, As sorrowful, yet rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. That's a Christian that loves God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, the church of Smyrna, he says, I know thy works and thy tribulation and thy poverty, but thou art rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he's God, he made everything. Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Sin has blinded us to the invisible things of God, to the, the eternal things of God. And has focused us on what we can see, what we can touch, what our senses can feel. We're full of pride. Pride oozes out of us. People say, I'm not proud. You're proud for saying that. Humble people believe they're proud. Proud people believe they're humble. It's a crazy thing. Pride oozes out of us. Our sin nature is opposite of these wonderful attributes. Consequently, the results are opposite also. The opposite of these seven attributes is pain and strife and fightings and fears and anger and killing and hate. And these struggles follow after the unsaved person. Anything but peace follows after the unsaved person. Follow them all the way to the grave. You see them come to the end of their life, commit suicide. They have money, they have fame, but they have nothing if they don't have Christ. Unrest is characteristic in their life. Not rest. Unrest occupies 
all the days of their life on earth. And so into this arena comes Jesus' words, these beatitudes, like a balm to a sin-sick soul. By the way, Jesus never offered his opinion. A lot of times we're quick, and I'm quick, and I have this trouble offering my opinion too quickly. People don't want it. Jesus didn't offer his opinion. He stated facts. He knew what was in man. No wonder world around, and I say world around accurately, these seven characteristics called Beatitudes have been so powerfully used and so refreshing. Jesus offers the sin-sick world relief in some degree from the consequences of sin around them. He cries out to you today. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek. Notice that word meek. I'll come back to that. I'm meek and lowly of heart in heart, and you should find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy. The Christian life is easy. People say, Preacher, the Christian life is so hard. Oh, you ought to try living the sinner's life and see how he does. The Christian's yoke really, and a yoke is a burden of of sort, and there is a certain burden about being a Christian, but it's easy. And my burden is light, he says. So that brings us to blessed are the meek. Because this led us right into being poor in spirit, leads right into the spirit of meekness. Meekness brings us to rest, according to Matthew chapter 11. I just read you. Meekness brings rest. He said, I am meek and lowly of heart. And you shall find rest to your souls. Not outward rest, but inward rest. Deliverance. From self-love. What did Adam and Eve choose in the Garden of Eden? They chose to love themselves over God. Don't forget that. What was the sin of the of Garden of Eden? It was unbelief, no doubt. The, the basis of all sin is unbelief. But it was more the motivation behind their sin. They didn't believe God, obviously. They wouldn't have done it. But the motivation behind their sin was they love themselves. When, when the devil told them, this is going to make you wise like God, he's holding back on you. He's not giving you everything you need. They said, ooh, that would be good for me. And their self-love awakened within them. The tension began from that point on. Tension, constantly, constantly tension of defending ourselves, defending against every criticism cringing at the thought of failure or inferiority or being criticized. But why? Because self-love is being challenged. You ever wonder why criticism bothers you? Little little wheelbarrow, Chris Barrow's child. Remember when we had him come up on the platform when he was about, I think he was about two, we had him come up, he came up over here. A wheelbarrow, you remember that? I was a two or three year old. I'm not quite sure on the age, but he came up. I was. I didn't know if he. A lot of kids you bring him before this group here, and they'd shy away. 
But he came up and he said, Hi, Vera. Meekness accepts what God says of you. It's not weakness, as some people may want to call it, but it's meekness, a calm acceptance of who God says he is, of who God says you are. You can't hurt a meek person too much. You can't hurt them. Why? Because a meek person already agrees with you when you criticize him. He has developed a godly sense of humor that lets criticism run off of him. You can't hurt. It's been said you can't hurt a dead man. That's a meek man. They're dead to self-love. I may be talking about something brand new to you. But I guarantee you, if you examine yourself much, if you if you're if you just got saved, you still self is still on the throne pretty strong. The whole work of God's sanctification is replacing self with him. And my brother Bud Calvert's here, he's 80 years, 79 years old. And he's still got this battle goes on, this tension goes on, doesn't it? At your age, you'd think you'd be totally sanctified by now. No, his wife said no. <laughs> you'd think at 71, I'd be totally sanctified that Jesus was on the throne of my heart in totality. I think my wife's in the nursery. I think I picked a good day to say that. A meek person trusts God to defend his person. He's in Christ, and he stands and gets his value because he's in Christ. Not because he owns something or has something or, or has an education or don't have a degree or has a degree or, or has a talent to play an instrument or doesn't have a talent to play. It's not about that. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. A meek person, what he says is found in this verse. He says, by but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul was me. Now, Paul was maybe the highly, he was the high, most highly educated of all the apostles, born out of due time. But he was by far extremely educated, probably photographic memory. Very possibly had most of the Old Testament memorized. And God called him, and he replaced the self-love with Jesus. Everything was about Jesus. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. A meek man, that doesn't mean you don't improve. 
Some people take that, I, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and they say, well, that means you don't have to prove. No, if, listen, if you've got a bad habit, fix it. If you slobber while you eat, try not to. I mean, it doesn't mean we don't improve, but it means that we, under, we understand that really in the essence of it all, we, we are what we are by the grace of God. Some of you have hair, some of you don't have hairs. You are what you are by the grace of God. Don't spend your whole life worrying about your hair, ladies. I'm getting ready for the man up coming. A meek man knows what he is. Cannot be shaken by the fiery darts of the wicked because he lifts the shield of faith up that keeps those fiery darts from him and he can stay at rest bearing the yoke of Jesus by the way which is light and easy, as I said before. Don't ever feel sorry for a Christian that's given himself to Jesus. Man, don't feel sorry for him. His burden is light at the worst. Heaven is his ending. Peace is, is, is his future possession and present possession, and rest is his companion. Don't feel sorry for a born-again believer that has Jesus on his throne of his heart. A meek man does not have to put his best foot forward. He has no pretense, just honest transparency because he's not afraid you're going to find out about him. This is what Jesus meant when he said to us that we should be like a little child, like a little wheelbarrow. Matthew chapter 18, verse 4 said, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, and the child he had, the word there means probably like a two- to three-year-old child, a very young child. The same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How? What did I say? The greatest. Jealousy and envy come with maturity. We, we grow up out of the childlikeness and we get our self-love on his throne and we become mature. And with that maturity comes uh, touchy, feely, offendableness, and if that's a word, jealousy and envy, strife, pretense. A little child will pick their nose in front of you. Why? Because it needs it. They don't care what you think. They don't care. They don't care their zipper's down. They don't, they don't care. Why? No pretense. We grow up into that. I'm not telling you to pick your nose. What you think of that little child really doesn't matter to them. doesn't matter. They are what they are, but by the grace of God. Life is not about their image. Those people that worry about image have no rest, always wanting to appear better than they are. And then they get old. They can't hide it. That's why movie stars have a hard time about getting old. They go to plastic surgeon after plastic surgeon and then look like some monster out of the Black Lagoon.
This morning, will you trust Jesus for your acceptance? Will you? Will you get your personal value from Him? Will you fall upon His promises this morning and take them for yourself? Especially verse 12, Matthew 5. I repeat again, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, Paul says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, of a, or of a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not, my own self. I'm going to leave that with Jesus. Are you meek today? Is Christ on the throne of your life? Being saved is about having your sins forgiven and going to heaven. I believe, I, amen. I'm for that. Having your sins forgiven and going to heaven. That's, that's what. The initial act of salvation is about you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who who lived a perfect life, fulfilled the law, was crucified for us in our place, and eventually resurrected by, resurrected, and of all the false prophets out there that say this or say that, none of them get resurrected, only Jesus. He was resurrected, really, I believe, to prove that the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This is the one that was forecasted to come from Genesis 3, 8, 15 and Deuteronomy chapter 18 and Isaiah chapter 53 and all through the minor prophets, Micah 5, 2. This is the one. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He showed us what it meant to live in a way that pleased God. He gave us that example. His prayer in Gethsemane, not my will but thine be done, was the essence of his life as an incarnate son of God. Whatever the Father tells me that I speak. What was that? Because he didn't know what to speak? No, because he was in submission as an incarnate son of God. He had this mysterious submission called the incarnation. He was meek. I am meek, he said, and lowly in heart. But in following me, he said, you're going to find rest for your souls. Sanctification, spiritual growth, is adopting the, the characteristics of God as yours and rejecting the characteristics of the evil nature. Pretense, pride, position, greed, jealousy, envy, strife, immorality, self-seeking, self-pleasure, and taking God's characteristics upon him, which are clearly manifested in these verses. God help us. 
to be like, in some degree, to be like wheelbarrow was. And any small child you see. He says, such are the kingdom of heaven. Father in heaven, help us this morning. May the blessed spirit work, reveal. I pray this week that the, the Holy Spirit would hinder the evil one who blinds the minds of them that would believe, lest they see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ that should shine upon them and be converted. Father, I pray that you would hinder the evil spirits that would seek to blind people with what I spoke about this morning, what the Bible preached about this morning. May there be some sweet souls in the sound of my voice, whether here, over the internet, or wherever this goes, that would say, I'm going to make Jesus my Savior. I'm going to make Jesus on the throne of my life. I'm going to live, and all my living is going to be about Jesus, not myself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. A couple verses just as I am without one plea. May the Holy Spirit touch you. May He take the things that God wanted you to hear and review them with you as you leave here and review them with you during the week. This is what it means to be like Jesus. May God help us to be more like Jesus. More and more like Jesus. More of his love would I see. You come by the grace of God, do business with God. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 239- 947-1285. Thank you and God bless.